Hello, you lover of architecture, and today of entrepreneurial flair. Today's episode looks at leadership. Welcome to Prairie Design Lab, a podcast coming to you from the Faculty of Architecture at the University of Manitoba. This podcast is created by the students, the faculty of the university, and by many people who care deeply about how we design and build our communities. I'm in that latter category. I'm Terry McLeod, the host, producer, and writer of Prairie Design Lab. We've been telling a lot of stories through the eyes of University of Manitoba architecture grads. And today we'll do that again, but from a different perspective, not from a design perspective, but from a business one. When founding your own practice, you have to be an entrepreneur and a team leader to achieve success. I'm joined by three such people. U of Manitoba grad Marianne Amodio started MA and HG Architecture in Vancouver in 2010. Johanna Herme, also a U of M grad, is one of the founders in 2007 of 5468796 Architecture in Winnipeg. And Monica Adair is co-founder in 2010 with her husband, Stephen Kopp, who's also a U of M grad of The Acre Practice in St. John, New Brunswick. We got together on Saturday morning and I began by asking each of the three what led them to start their practice. I put that question first to Monica Adair in St. John, New Brunswick. Steve and I were working in, in New York at the time and we were leaving New York and hoping to go to Europe. And we said, well, why don't we stop in St. John, New Brunswick, because that's where I'm from. And my dad had a warehouse. He sold furniture, office furniture. So we decided to stop here and then we were going to go. And then we started doing our licensing exams. We said, why don't we work for a local firm? So we each worked with local firm. We got to design hockey arenas and we were very Canadian in our architecture journey. And then it came time to leave. We got licensed and we said we could go. And in St. John, there aren't very many architects here. So there are only 11 architects under the age of 40 in the whole province at the time. We knew that in big cities, if you don't do a project, somebody great will. But here, if you don't do them, they might never happen. So it really felt like an onus that you could actually create change in architecture. So it wasn't necessarily going to be found anywhere else. It was here at home. So we started our practice. And Marianne, what led you to start your practice? One of the major reasons why I started my own practice is because I was a mom. I was working in sort of corporate architecture culture for a really long time, up until uh 2009. My son was four at that time. And then, of course, the recession hit and I found it an opportunity to spend more time with him. I was so busy um, working at uh, these kind of larger corporate firms that had a culture of working late that I really felt that I just wasn't able to give him the time that I wanted. I decided to leave that firm and finish my exams. So I <clears throat> took a few months to finish up writing my exams. And then after that, I started a small practice out of, out of my living room. And I was lucky enough that uh, my former employers passed me my first clients, some of which uh, were still uh, working with today. And then slowly over the years, um, Harley was working, uh, my husband and partner, he was working at a, a large firm doing some really beautiful work and Slowly over the years, my projects got bigger and bigger. And I said, I need somebody who can do what I can do, but I cannot pay them very much. And so at that point, Harley, that was about five years ago, 
came on over. So it's been a real blessing. Um, I think working with him and having a family practice, I think uh, in Vancouver, uh, similarly to Monica, we see just because it's so busy here by virtue of how busy it is, we know that we're going to be able to, especially in the next few years as we get projects, our bigger projects built, have a huge influence over the urban fabric here. And that's the real gift. And the fact that we can do it as a family is really exciting and um, feels like an honor. And Johanna, what led you to start your practice? Um, well, I think it's not uh, unlike these two, um, where we grew up, I guess, in architecture, uh, having been told that you couldn't convince of clients of design value. And somehow we thought, well, we have to at least give it a shot and give it a try and see if we can do something uh, that we thought to be different at the time. And um, and sure enough, it was amazing to be able to have design conversations and design value conversation, conceptual conversations with clients and, and to see that there was some buy-in there. And we were so excited about that because it was sort of denied of us before. I think also, though, what we learned with our previous employer was the fact that, you know, you do have to have your ducks in a row when it came to cost and waterproofing and all the technical things that had to be to be in place. Um, what I mean by waterproofing and waterproofing, I mean airtightness of the technical side of things, not the actual waterproofing. Um, and so that once those were sort of the off course or the givens in the, in the project, then you could actually have this conversation about design. And that's what, what was really exciting for us that, you know, we could maybe carve this path. And we found a couple of developers then early on that had an ear for it and gave us opportunities. And, and we got some bigger projects uh, fairly soon after starting. I think that summer we started in the spring and in the summer we had a we had a 30 unit um, project in the works. And that was amazing. Uh, that was sort of something that we couldn't have dreamed of and we thought would take us um, a decade to, to build up to. And so it was that drive to try, try and see Winnipeg um, through that different lens. Monica, can I ask you to evaluate yourself from a little bit of a distance and, and tell me, what are you especially good at? This is a bit of cheating because I have a, an executive coach and I love my coach and I've had a coach for years. She's in Vancouver, actually, Danae Johnson. She's from Thinking Partners. And so it's taken me a long time to, to think about that question, to think about what I'm good at. It's a, It's always been kind of a struggle. I know I get things done, but I did realize that I think my gift is in helping others make things better than the day before and inspiring others to do the things that they want to do, to take on new adventures and to see how that might change the course of their lives. I'm interested in how people can change the way they live their lives. That's, that's what I do. How do you find your niche in, in St. John and area in terms of attracting people that want your designs? And it's interesting. I think that's one of the things like, um, I mean, I'm guilty of not reading the book, but the obstacle is the way. <laughs> And I think what we've built a practice in figuring out, I think Brian Eno said, you know, everyone's trying to hit the bullseye. Like, this is what architecture looks like and hit it right in the middle. But instead, I prefer to kind of shoot the arrow and paint the target around it. Like, we make our niches in which we finally reside. And what I like about that quote is that it's really true. It's about here. It's kind of going, not trying to borrow something that works somewhere else, but kind of think about what can we do here and then how can we activate it? And we found people really receptive to uh, just trying to make their community better and in new ways and trying new things. So it isn't through the conventional, I would say. It's just trying to 
kind of reinvent what might work here and making lots of mistakes and trying different things and going through that. And it's an opportunity in that it doesn't look like somewhere else. So the solutions don't look like somewhere else. And so it's a, it allows you to be kind of creative and figure that out along the way. Marianne, for you, what, what are you especially good at? I think that I'm good at the high level conceptual design. I think the way that Harley and I work as a partnership is that I'll sort of flush out the high level idea with him. And then he is a master of very quick design execution uh, based on that idea. I also think my strength lies on the political side, pushing a project through the city. We've developed really strong relationships with the city of Vancouver. I push them consistently towards innovation as it's related to our housing affordability crisis and um, social sustainability. And I think I can get a lot of things done in a day. It feels like there are days when I'm just like, wow, I got like 14 things done today. (laughs) But I think the day-to-day problem solving is something that I'm probably pretty good at too. Johanna, you've had a chance now to think about this. What are you especially good at? I think that architecture is largely about the strategies that you employ, whether it's at the sort of city or political level, whether it's at the, um, at what you can convince of, of clients and, and community groups to, to do. And I don't mean that maliciously. I just mean that where they can see the benefit. Um, I think all of that has to kind of work in, and of course the builder is part of that. And so is trying to pull together the right pieces that you can make a project go. And um, I think that's probably one of the one of the strengths that I would, it feels awkward to try and <laughs> assess that, but we've talked about it a few times because we're trying to establish what, um, what we as each of, I have two partners, so what we do in the firm and the goal is always to try and put people in a position where they can, they can really flourish. And so we have to do that self-assessment too, to see it. But I think in addition to that, it is that, is that big idea part. And again, I would give kudos to my partner, Sasha, is amazing at form uh, execution when the idea is there. And then Colin is the one that who often delivers the back end of the project and is amazing at it and gets along with everybody on site and they love him. That, I guess, is a combo works for us really well. And Sasha is not only your architectural partner, he's your life partner as well, right? Well, yes, more recently now. Um, we went for, I don't know, 10, 11 years, I can't I can calculate exactly, with just being partners in business. And then somehow, as I'm sure these two can attest to, uh, architecture is pretty intense. And somehow it's tough to divide a part of yourself to something else entirely. And, and so the fact that the two are intertwined somehow makes life easier. That's what we found anyway. Uh, we have so much in common. We're sort of married at a hip as it is or were before in all kinds of areas of life. And so this was just sort of the final bit of it. Uh, Monica, how do you know when your firm is the right size? Like the, the acre, what, what size is the acre now? It's great question and I think we're in a process of exploring that we're in um, on our second year of our strategic plan of thinking about how we're going to grow our business and I think it uh, this is a bit of a testing ground to see what different sizes might look like and how we do that and how do we grow with challenges of recruiting because there's no school of architecture here and it's not really uh, everyone's number one destination of architectural future so it's kind of uh, I think we want to be 
bigger. I think there's a nice space where it becomes an entity and not necessarily about individuals. It's about what we're creating as a business or as a practice. So I'd like to be a size. We were, we've never been bigger than 15, but I think there's an opportunity and a scale that is a little bit bigger than that, that would allow us to have more transformational impact. But I guess maybe I'm just interested in something that we haven't tried before too. So, Marianne, what size is your firm? We have seven people now. Is that the right size? We're probably a little short due to COVID. I think um, we probably need to be nine or 10. And I think that I say eight and Harley says 12. So 10 is probably right. Harley and I together bring a good balance to um, whatever it is that we're working on. And I think it's important for both of us that we want to stay small enough that we can still be active as um, architects. So, you know, he's looking at a at a set of uh, elevator shop drawings and I'm still out on site. And I think there was a point where we had more people than that, where a lot of our work became administrative or managerial. That did not make me happy. Where I'm at my best and my happiest is when I'm still drawing and sketching and designing and problem solving. It's just hard to imagine for us, I think, I think being that the, that size was sort of like where we grew up, like the, the firms that we practiced in that felt right to us were around 10, 12 uh, size. For us, we've always said that we would grow um, organically. And I think, I think we have over the years. We, I really admire Monica and I'm always like, oh, I, we have no strategic plan. <laughs> but I think that what's worked for us so far is just the slow building and we'll see where it goes. Now, Johanna, for you, your, your firm, of course, is 5468796, which is the number of employees that you want to have eventually, right? 5,468,796. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're... We're currently at 22, but I have to say that I, I'm actually, we were 12 for the longest time, and that was really great, um, and maybe is the right size. Um, at least it was something that, um, you know, you, you sort of had your hands in everything still, and I think today I'm finding that we do have to be a bit more layered. We have to be a bit more hierarchical. We have to, I don't get in touch with the sort of the person who uh, is the newest to the office they're they're sort of kept under a project architect and I don't get a lot of interaction with that person and that maybe is a shame I don't know what we're going in the right direction or not but for us too it's been organic it's been whatever we need is what we hire and so it hasn't been sort of this global plan of this is the number we need to get to or anything like that it's just been based on the workload and it sort of keeps creeping up. Um, we at some point said, well, 20 is definitely the maximum. Otherwise, we're going to lose touch with the sort of finer points of design and so on. And um, yeah, somehow, I guess when our group matures, we've had people who've been with us since the beginning, it becomes easier because we, we're much more sort of integrated as a whole. And there's more leaders in the, in the team than there were before who are very much in tune with what is our core value and what we try to achieve on projects and so on. So you know, it's a bit of a two-headed beast in a way that on one hand, you'd like to be small. And sometimes we fantasize about, you know, why don't we just cut it down and just be, you know, five people core group and wouldn't be amazing. You could sort of go back to the basics. But 
Carrie, can I ask uh, Johanna a question? Yeah. Like, you know, I think that these growth ideas are something we're putting in motion to think about that, but we don't know what that looks like uh, on the other end. But um, how have you been able to build your project architect or your senior leadership team around you? Um, I think that's the hardest part is having to lead through others or learning to do that well. Like, I think that's something that how to let go. How have you been able to do that and how have you built that senior team? Well, I mean, it's a working progress. We're not terribly good at letting go either. <laughs> so I think it's just trying to convince ourselves to different advice that we've gone over the years, whether it's sort of been a business advice or whether it's been architectural advice that you're a better leader if you're you know, if you're allowing people to flourish and, and be in the positions where they can succeed. And And I think part of it is maybe seeing people for what they're what they're great at, uh, like we have people who are great at the execution part of it. They're basically like in that that camp that I was talking about Colin um, in, and and just love to do the delivery of the project, and so give them all the tools to be able to do that. Not to say that people are two or one dimensional like that, but that's their strength, and then we give them to the opportunities to do that really well. And then we have some others that are really great at. I won't name names, but we have a person who's really great at almost everything, except maybe he's not that convincing and selling ideas or like, so he sort of stays away from the client front, like, and, and just does the design work and does the delivery of, of uh, documents and so on. And is amazing at it. And is the most technical person you would ever, and it, somehow it's, it's about trying to put people in the right places. I think that's worked for us. And that's build that team. And um, and then we're also, we're just heading into a sort of a summit with the with the seniors to try and see what they want out of this practice in the future, like where we find their niche. Because I think what's important ultimately is that they see a future in it that isn't going to stop them from being partners one day or if that's what they want or, or being in senior position otherwise. And so we're trying to figure out what that means. Like it's not going to, there's no closed doors for them in a way. Um, and I think that matters. Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else if they're really ambitious. Marianne, do you want to take a shot at answering Monica's question? Well, I think it, one of the most interesting things about owning your own business is that you get to make the construct. And it's something that Harley and I talk about all the time because the construct that we're familiar with is the hierarchical one. And um, I think as the practice gets bigger, I totally recognize what Johanna's saying that uh, it almost forces you into that kind of that kind of structure. So we talk about all the time how you know we sort of refer to ourselves as as being a bit of a canoe. I might be sitting in the front of it, and Harley might be steering the back of it, but the rest of our team is sort of between us, um, paddling just as hard and. I think what we try to do is ensure that everyone on our team, like we just, we don't use that word team lightly. Like we genuinely see everybody in our office as a huge part of our team and that uh, for the most part, everything is level, just that there are different responsibilities. Like obviously at the end of the day, the ultimate responsibility falls on Harley and myself, but I think lending true ownership to a project, allowing people to fail in a safe way so that they gain um, confidence and an understanding of the responsibility that they're taking on, engendering just that idea of they can. Like we just, we have a lot of young people. We've got some more senior people. Like our, like as we go on, we're, we've had a couple of people have been with us 
since the beginning and similarly to Johanna, and we've got some younger, really inspiring people who are just so skilled. A lot of it is, you know, just ensuring that everybody understands that we're all sort of in the same place. So we will give responsibility to someone who's coming out of a place um, where they never even would have seen it and we'll throw them right in. Right. And um, I think we're still working at that out to see what that's going to look like as we as we grow as a practice. But I think it's interesting to us to start to imagine um, what that construct looks like. I'm curious as to how your community is accepting your philosophy about architecture. Living in Winnipeg, Johanna, I've been exposed to a lot of the things that you folks have done. Uh, in fact, I turned up in one of your photos on your website for Table for 1200. I was thrilled to see because it, it was so exciting. But what you've managed to do is generate an interest in the community in architecture in a different way. And I suspect that, Monica, for you, also in St. John, which is an older community with a lot of older buildings, you're working to encourage people to think differently about what architecture can be. What do you do then to foster a belief, I guess, in your community, in architecture and in design and development? Uh, Johanna, could you answer that for me? I think you kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, is the, I guess we're trying to show through our work that uh, it's possible to deliver better design outcomes with with the same amount of um or same kind of performa that um, other projects have in our community so we can't build something that's expect exponentially or even even a little bit more expensive than than other projects it has to cost the same so that's number one number two i guess is that um oftentimes I have to say, this is the cynical part of me. I have to say that clients don't care as long as you do that money part, right? They don't ultimately all care what the design ambitions of yours are as long as they fit in that formula. So that's one escape route. Um, there are some gems in clients, though, who do. And, of course, that's where you find that your sort of why you're doing what you're doing and why they're why what they're doing is is aligned and that's the best case scenario and then you have a sort of a happier go at it um but still the the profit has to work because they also have a business to run and and then there's the general splatter of of all of these community projects and and trying to do pro bono work or trying to invent um happenings in the city which i know again my colleagues here do really well uh, as well, so trying to inspire people that there is a value to design that goes beyond um, even buildings and urban spaces that, you know, is just sort of soul food for you um, as a person that we need design, we need, you know, beauty, we need spaces in, in life to make it worth living and um, art and architecture all fall in that category that it's sort of, it's hard to quantify, but it's something that is so, so incredibly important as we've seen through COVID, I'm, I'm sure. Um, that keeps us going and keeps us, you know, thriving as people. Monica, your firm has been described as the hippest firm in Atlantic Canada. Is that a deliberate effort on your part to attract people to architecture in a new way? I think we were lucky. That was a good write-up in that newspaper. In the Globe and uh, Mail, right? <laughs> uh, I think we've been really fortunate to, in the past, we're 10 years in practice now, but I think the 10 years have been trying to build that trust with our community and, and in the projects to be able to be able to now say this matters. It's worth investing in some of these elements. And I agree with Johanna. I think if the some people are, that aren't interested in that upfront, if you can show the business case to work, 
I think are on board anyway. And that's a really, I think that is not to be underestimated because that's a really big skill in architecture is to be able to deliver a project that actually is what the client is coming to you for, regardless of what you think it should be. So I think that that takes time. And I'm, I, I would say it took us time to actually learn that, to try to learn the skill to actually get there. And it's, it's continual. It's not like, oh, yeah, now all our projects are on time, on budget. But I do believe that we have a much more understanding of where they're coming from and that we're active at the table at the front end and that we're coming in more as business partners or people that are invested in their same outcome. Like the, understanding that the success of their project isn't necessarily the success that I've defined, but the success that they've defined. And then together we can kind of make it better. So that, and that's been taking time to build and only through that kind of slow trust and doing other projects, being involved at the table and learning about what matters to them and different groups. So from business groups to boards, to inspiring people as this whole group has kind of spoken to in terms of doing public art projects to uh, we always say it's easier to inspire than it is to fight. So let, uh, you know, show, don't tell. Let people discover it, not tell them why this has value. It has value when they discover it. So that's that's where we're trying to get to. So, Marianne, you talked in the beginning a bit about how important it is for you for sustainable architecture, for supportive architecture, for people with special needs in the community. How well is that being received? Well, one of the principles that we work with a lot that we've developed over the years is this idea of, uh, we call it social density, but it's really about social sustainability and about how we build communities in a city that's being systemically torn down and built back up again in a very short period of time. And a lot of those models around building um, here in Vancouver are financial models, just because land costs are so high and the margins are so thin and the performers are so strict. So we talk a lot with the city about, um, you know, what we call Excelitecture and what we want to leave behind as a city. Like I always give an anecdote about how if if everything went still now and um, we became an archaeological site and uh, future people came into Vancouver and started to um, read the buildings as we read buildings um uh, historical buildings, what would it say about us as a culture? What, what would it, how would our values be read through what we're doing? And sometimes I, I don't think that it would be saying very nice things about how we value um, human beings. So our work is really focused on how we can create communities for people within this really um, rigid construct, um, as Johanna described that's financial and also really strongly defined by the city of Vancouver's uh, urban planning department. So for us, that will be a never ending um, goal. I think it's going to evolve and change and we'll find ways to, to keep talking about the significance of community space, how we can craft our buildings so that it engenders a greater sense of belonging and a greater sense of, of attachment to each other. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I have to say thank you and let you get uh, back to trying to enjoy part of your Saturday and uh, to say thank you so much for taking some time out of your life on this busy day. Marianne, thank you. And Johanna, thank you very much. 
And, and Monica, thank, thanks to you, and I hope to see you all again soon. I've been dying to get to St. John, my wife being born there and such. And Johanna, we used to see each other a lot at various events and haven't in a long time. And I've got to get to Vancouver, Marianne, because I've got a daughter there who I have not seen in far too long. So thanks to all of you for spending you. some time with us today. Nice Appreciate to meet you, Monica. Thanks. I hope nice to, to see both of you. Okay. Yeah, Johanna, say hi to Sasha and all the best. I will. Same okay. thing, Harley. Thanks. Yes, okay. I will. Congratulations. And to Stephen. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye for now. Take care. Bye-bye. Special thanks today to all our guests. Monica Adair is co-founder in 2010 of The Acre Practice in St. John, New Brunswick. Marianne Amodio founded MA and HG Architecture in Vancouver in 2010. And Johanna Herme is one of the founders in 2007 of 546-8796 Architecture in Winnipeg. If you like Prairie Design Lab, please tell your friends about us. And you can listen to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and on UMFM Radio 101.5 FM at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays. You can find us on Twitter at Prairie D Lab and find me on LinkedIn. Special thanks to UMFM Radio for the microphone and the mic stand and to U of M Professor Jason Chan for putting me together with so many talented U of M grads and to Professor Jason Shields for his huge tech support. For Prairie Design Lab, I'm your host, producer, and writer, Terry McLeod. 